This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a new series on Amazon that I'm very excited about. It's called This is Football, and it's a six-part documentary exploring football's extraordinary impact on the world. From the pitches of the Champions League to the village where Lionel Messi grew up to the fields of post-war Rwanda, this globe-spanning series tells a unique story of the game and its power to unite countries, inspire generations, and captivate billions. It's all told through real, heartfelt stories featuring Messi, Pep Guardiola, Brandy Chastain, and many others. You should absolutely check it out. It is out now on Amazon Prime Video. It's called This Is Football. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. I'm Grant Wall, and our guest today is Washington, D.C.-based Simon Broody. For a while, I've been wanting to bring an elite sports photographer on our show, and Simon is that guy. I've worked with Simon for more than two decades. He does tremendous work in a number of sports, including soccer, from action photography to portraits and everything in between. Simon, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, Grant, thanks. Always good to chat to you. Yeah, we go back a long ways. I remember uh, when you lived in New York back in the 90s, I first got to know you mostly when you and me and Steve Russian, another Sports Illustrated writer, would watch Manchester United's 1999 run to the treble, including the Champions League. We would watch the Champions League games together at Fiona's, a bar on the Upper East Side of New York that is no longer there, but I still have good memories of the whole thing. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can remember. <laughs> I think uh, we, we did uh, we do we did dent the alcohol content there in uh, Fiona. A few Caffrey's Irish ales were consumed uh, back in those days, I recall. Um, that, that's right. I am fired up to have you on the show. In addition to watching soccer with you, I've also worked with you over the years uh, in a lot of different countries, uh, including the U.S., but also Argentina, South uh, Korea during World Cup in '02. Plenty of men's and women's World Cups. Um, before we get into how you approach your job, which is a lot of what I want to talk about here, um, first, let's just kind of get into your story. Where are you from? How did you get into sports photography? 
So uh, I grew up in England. Um, I am an Englishman. Um, but, uh, you know, I ended up getting a, a sort of a, a gopher's job at a, a photo agency in London um, in the mid-80s. And uh, just uh, was lucky enough to sort of have some great mentors around me. And, of course, soccer was the staple of which you uh, applied your trade. So uh, I would go to Craven Cottage and Stamford Bridge uh, and, and basically do as many soccer games as I could get my hands on back in those days. And how did that trajectory go from doing that to, to doing work for Sports Illustrated? Well, I just had a great uh, learning curve there at that agency. It was called All Sports at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were a lot of great soccer photographers there because it was the main sport in the UK. And, you know, I'd go along and I remember I did, a, I did Fulham versus Carlisle. That was my first sort of league match. Shot it in black and white, came back and uh, showed it to the sort of um, the old sages at All Sports. And they ripped me several new rear ends um, <laughs> because it was so bad. So that was the type of criticism that you, could, you know, I, I particularly needed. And uh, it was a great way of, uh, you know, giving me the sort of focus to, to concentrate and come up with much better imagery. So uh, my first introduction was not pleasant, but... Uh, it's what sort of set me on the sort of right path to photographing soccer. Well, in terms of what you learned in those days about shooting action photography um, and and how that eventually led to you joining Sports Illustrated, what, what did you learn early on about how you wanted to approach shooting action? Um. I mean, the key thing for a sports photographer is, is to be able to concentrate. Mm -hmm. um, if you can't concentrate and you're more impressed with chatting to the people around you, you're going to miss uh, the one vital action shot that could come your way. Um, you know, being patient, uh, because you can't run up and down the sideline. You're sort of stuck in one spot mm -hmm. and you have to wait for the action to come to you. So if you're not ready for it, you might just get one chance in a game. Hmm. So concentrating and, and being patient are two really important skills that you, you tend to learn. And I'm wondering, like, because you do shoot a lot of different sports, uh, what's different about shooting a soccer match compared to other sports? Um, well, you know, it's, it's 45 minutes, basically, of straight action. Um, you know, as I just said, you're kind of in one spot. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes the action is all the other end of the uh, of the field. Um, you know, and if it, you know, you can be unlucky. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is to uh, you know be patient, concentrate, um, and you, you do need luck. There's no question about it. But when it happens in front of you, you know, you better be ready for it. Right. Um, other, other sports allow you to move. Um, you know, you know. I'm looking at NFL here in the states. You, you can run up and down the sideline, and you can get to the action. And there's a lot of stopping and starting in that sport. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but that, that, that does stop you. No, that does break up your concentration with all that stopping and starting in an, in an, in an NFL game. Right. Um, and in terms of your preparation for an action shoot, uh, how many cameras and, and lenses do you bring? Um, you know, like logistically, could you take us through your day when you're doing an action shoot at a soccer match, say during the Women's World Cup? Yeah, the, the, the bigger the sport, you know, the bigger the soccer game, um, the more involved it gets. Um, you know, you can as a, as a you can only shoot one camera at a time, basically. Mm. So that's always good to remember from the get go. Um, I tend to take a long lens, which I will use for most of the game, and that puts you into the action that's happening in front of you. Mm. Um, I would then have another camera with a short lens on, um, so that if there was goal mouth action, I would be able to capture that. Um, or a celebration that was happening right on top of me. Um, so I would have definitely two cameras there, possibly a third by my feet. And then, you know, if you wanted to get complicated, um, although it is standard fare these days to put remote cameras in and around the gold mouth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's when you become, that's when things become a little bit more complicated with the remote cameras. Um, you know, I've had them, uh, I've used them in many of the World Cup games I've done uh, to varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Um, but the basic camera in your hand is the one that you want to be concentrating with. And that's the one that's going to get the majority of, of the action that you take during a game. Okay. And FIFA allows you to put the remote cameras up. Uh, sorry, say again, Grant. FIFA allows you to put remote cameras up around the goal. Yeah, they they've become um, they've been, they've become pretty controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a line behind the goal mouth, or sort of behind the netting, where you can put cameras now. Uh, and generally, it is one per person mm-hmm. behind the goal, uh, and you can fire those in a variety of ways. You can use a radio transmitter, or you can run a hard wire which almost guarantees you that the camera will fire. And you can use a foot pedal. Um, you can get it taped into the short lens so that when you fire the short lens, the camera behind the netting will fire as well. There's, as I said, it, it, you can make it as complicated as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the simplest way is to use the radio transmitters with those remote cameras. But a lot can go wrong and they are not guaranteed to fire because there are many other different types of radio waves floating around mm-hmm. in the stadium, particularly at the big games. Um, right. You know, at the World Cup final, there might be 40 or 50 remote cameras behind the goal. Um, mm-hmm. And if they're all using radios, you know, there's a gr- really strong chance that the camera won't fire when you need it to. And so therefore, then you have yeah. to run the wire to it, and it, it guarantees it's going to fire, but it's a bit more complicated in laying that down um, and getting it under the ad boards, you know, and so on. Okay, got it. Um, I do yeah, remember... I, I'm sorry, it sounds, it sounds complicated. It is complicated. <laughs> um, but I always tell people, 
concentrate on the camera that's in your hand because that will produce the best images for you. Mm-hmm. And if you get lucky with a remote camera, because that's what you need, um, you know, you can get obviously a pretty uh, a great looking action picture that way. And I'm going to ask you uh, what may be an ignorant question, but how how many shots do you take during a 90 minute soccer match? Uh, yeah, too many, to be honest with you. Just talk to the, uh, the editors at Sports Illustrated. Um, I mean, it's, uh, I, I would say it's, uh, it's, it's probably around about 3,000 images. Hmm. Depending on, you know, of course, a lot depends on how the action's going. If it's all in your sort of end of the field, you know, it, it could, you can increase it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I would say round about three thousand images would be a good, a good average. Okay, and when, like, how, you send all of those. How does that work? You send all of those to Sports Illustrated, and then what do they do? Yeah, at Sports Illustrated, it's a slightly different process. They want to see all the images that I take during the game, mm-hmm. so that they would then edit from that take. Uh, and they would chop it down, you know, obviously quite considerably. They'd probably save about uh, 2% of that shoot if I'm lucky. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of wastage. And do you know when you've gotten a really good shot in the moment? Um, you do know because you can actually quickly look on the back of the camera. The digital cameras have a display and you can call up what you just photographed okay so um you do have a pretty good idea i mean when you're shooting it you know it's looking through the camera that something special just happened um i'm always reluctant to look to be honest with you just because (laughs) you should be concentrating on what's happening next maybe the next greatest uh soccer action picture is taking place Mm -hmm. interesting um could you pick is it possible to pick sort of maybe one of your favorite or your favorite soccer shot action-wise that you've gotten from over the, the years and how tell, tell me how you got that shot? Um, yeah, I mean, I got, a, I, I got yeah, I mean, believe it or not, I've, I, I'm lucky enough to have more than one pretty good image from a soccer game. Um, my first World Cup uh, was in uh, 1990. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I got to the, I went to the final, Germany, Italy, and obviously the presentation of the trophy is, is pretty key. And, you know, it's an iconic uh, shape and you want to get a really lovely um, celebration picture with the trophy. Mm-hmm. And at that uh, final, it was chaotic because the Italians turned off the lighting um, <laughs> inside the stadium and pandemonium amongst the photographers because most of them didn't have flash guns on. Oh, wow. Stroke. And, and by, again, by sort of some pure chance, I had a, uh, a strobe on my, at the time, I think it was a Canon T90 camera. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to actually use it. I just put it on some sort of program mode and, uh, you know, jumped into the melee that was happening. And I, I got a pretty, uh, you know, it was, I think his name was Kohle. He was the German defender. Mm-hmm. And I've got him kissing the trophy with all this uh, movement around it. Huh. So 
I, I, I love that image um, just because of, you know, what happened there. Yeah. And also, it was, you know, again, a lot of luck involved. And my technical skills weren't uh, that good at that stage. So I got this sort of flash mo- burn uh, movement with the trophy, which it, it looks pretty cool. Nice. Um, um, and, and a lot of the pictures, you know, that I like, you know, I like them because I know the story behind them, you know, and the sort mm-hmm. of blood, sweat and tears that it took me to to get them. And, and a lot of times that doesn't translate to the photo editors who, who are completely removed from any emotion there mm-hmm. and don't understand that I've just, you know, broken all kinds of laws to get that photograph. <laughs> And, and and they're just seeing the sort of end result, but uh, so they they might not have the same sort of attachment that I do. Um, the other photograph that I, I remember was the 1998 World Cup final, and I was at the completely the wrong end of the game. All the actions and most of the goals, I think, happened away from me, mm-hmm. and I was sitting there, you know, like losing concentration wondering if I was ever going to get a photograph. And, you know, it was a, a in a split second, suddenly the ball was hoofed down the other end. Barthez came running out and sort of high-tackled um, Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Not, the, uh, not the Ronaldo we know now, but the Brazilian Ronaldo. Yep. And uh, I ended up, you know, Barthez was sort of somewhat upside down on top of uh, the Ronaldo, of, of, you know, the Brazilian Ronaldo. So it was that one moment that I got which kind of summed up the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't get much else during that final. I remember that photograph very specifically. That was the first World Cup final I covered for Sports Illustrated. And that moment in the game, which you're right, told a story because Ronaldo was originally not in the starting lineup. There was all this controversy and confusion and then he was in the starting lineup and it turned out that he had had some sort of seizure during the day and he ends up really having little impact on the game that was one of his only sort of chances and i remember that shot because he was so high in the air and bartez just came out and took care of it but it was just a kind of suspended motion thing that was just very, very cool, um, and, and, and very cool that you captured it. Um, we're going to take a quick break here for an ad read. There's a new series coming to Amazon that I'm very excited about. It's called This Is Football. It's a six-part documentary exploring football's extraordinary impact on the world, from the pitches of the Champions League to the village where Lionel Messi grew up to the fields of post-war Rwanda. This globe-spanning series tells a unique story of the game and its power to unite countries, inspire generations, and captivate billions. It's all told through real, heartfelt stories featuring Messi, Pep Guardiola, Brandy Chastain, and many others. You should check it out. It's out now on Amazon Prime Video. It's called This Is Football. We're talking to Simon Broody, a terrific sports photographer, his been doing stuff for Sports Illustrated for more than two decades. I've had the pleasure of working with him over the years. Um, Simon, 
in terms of obviously you don't just do action photography uh that's a lot of what you do but you also do feature photography portraits um in the soccer space what are some of your uh your favorite portraits and and things like that that you've done over the years um, well, certainly, you know, the one that comes to mind most is, is you know, after the Women's World Cup in Canada, mm-hmm. um, Sports Illustrated came up with a great idea of putting all of the players on the cover, having their own separate cover. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was quite an ambitious sort of, pro- you know, uh, production. So I would say that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and and each player had their own... Uh, sort of personality and character. And it definitely sort of shone out uh, when I got to photograph them for only a few, uh, few seconds. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was a fun project. Um, and I had photographed a, the, you know, sort of the main group in a portrait the following day in Vancouver. And mm-hmm. they'd obviously been out on the razzle. <laughs> um, and so when I got to photograph them initially, they were like spent. And yeah. the last person they wanted to see was uh, was me. <laughs> so I did the portrait, and I looked at it, and I was like, "Christ, this looks really bad." Uh, but I sent it into the magazine, and they were umming and ahhing, and they they came up with the idea of, "Look, when they get to New York, why don't you come back here and redo it, but re, you know, photograph them all individually?" So mm-hmm. I was saved uh, by that that great idea back at SI. Nice. That's awesome. I mean, like when you're working with situations like that, how do you draw out someone's personality? Um, well, you know, you need to have some sort of idea who you're photographing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I tend to, if I have the, the time, um, you know, I do some research on, on, the, on the player I'm, I'm going to be photographing. Mm-hmm. So I can use that as a sort of starter in the conversation with them. And, you know, it's, it's difficult, you know, a lot of times with athletes, you don't get the time to sit down and sort of, you know, talk about the weather and, you know, how the family and how the training is going. You just got to get straight into it. Right. So obviously having, having an idea to begin with is important. Um, and then explaining it to the athlete, um, what you're trying to achieve. I think those are the ways that I try to sort of get the athlete involved in the photograph, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's really important that they're, they're involved. It's, you know, they have, um, um, you know, they have, they should have a vested interest in it and it's up to the photographer, I think, to sort of, you know, lay it out for them mm-hmm. and, and get them involved. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite experiences at Sports Illustrated over the years was in 2000, was it late 01 maybe? Uh, when you and I spent a while in Argentina, um, <laughs> and it was for this O2 swimsuit issue, which had a Latin American theme, and it was a story on Argent- the culture of Argentine soccer. Um, and what's funny about it is, I remember being down there in Buenos Aires, and we were supposed to travel with some hardcore Boca Juniors fans, who basically rescinded their invitation um, while I was there, while we were there. And 
So we had to sort of scramble, and it turned out that Diego Maradona's testimonial match was taking place like a week later, and in something that would probably never happen today, uh, we got permission to stick around for another week. <laughs> and right. uh, ended up, you had some amazing shots in La Bombonera, the Boca Junior Stadium, of fans on top of barbed wire fences, uh, just really captured what it's like to attend an Argentine soccer match. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering on a, on a story like that, a feature story when you're working with a writer, and you've done a lot of these over the years with, with, with me and with different writers, how do you approach that working with a writer when you're doing a feature story together? Um, I mean, I, I actually love working with a writer because, you know, you, you, you tend to collaborate more. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and through that collaboration, you come up with, um, you know, better ideas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and working with, you know, likes of yourself, Grant, um, you know, we've always talked about what your initial idea is. And, you know, you've always been good to come and ask you know, a photographer, because we have a different, we definitely have a different perspective to a writer. Mm -hmm. um, and then to join forces, I think only makes the story stronger. Um, and, and particularly, you know, you talk about the, uh, the Argentina trip. I mean, I'm always slightly concerned about your sanity because <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I knew what was coming and I, I kind of was a little nervous, uh, majority of that time down there uh, and particularly when they kept asking me what my blood type was when i was getting the credit you know the uh, credential for those games i included that so, in the story right they asked for your blood type i was like why do you need my blood type yeah. for a credential yeah yeah and and, and I, I was um some some of the local photographers who i didn't know sort of came up to me and said you know you should you should move from that spot that that fence is probably going to come down and <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it, there was definitely a, a lot of anxiety on my, my part there in uh, Argentina. But, I mean, going back to your point, I mean, working with a writer uh, and, and collaborating, I think, are the best things. And also, you know, when things go sort of bad, um, as they did in Argentina a number of times, you know, we managed both of us to dig ourselves out of those uh, troubling spots. <laughs> it's always good to be able to to save yourself, save your story, and, and have someone to help you do it. Um, <laughs> I, I, a couple times over yeah. the years, I remember in 2002 at the World Cup in South Korea, a few things stood out to me. One, that was the first time I had ever seen broadband internet. Right. Um, yeah. Because Korea is basically light years ahead of the rest of the world, including the United States, and, and still is. Um, and as I recall, it was also perhaps around the time you were switching from film to digital. Um, and I was wondering what, was that a big change for you to go through that? And, and also just wondering how has the business changed since then? You've got a great memory, Grant. I can say that, you know, <laughs> an eye for detail, which obviously shows up in all your stories. Um, yeah, that was the first World Cup. Uh, that, sorry, that was actually the first event or big event that I had shot digital. Mm -hmm. Um and basically it came about because I realized I was at the, um, 
the Salt Lake Olympics earlier in the year, and I'd been photographing figure skating, and every photographer around me was shooting digital, and I was shooting film, mm -hmm. and I had to keep stopping and reloading mm -hmm. the film, and I realized I was at a massive disadvantage. And in 2002, the technology had kind of caught up with film cameras. The digital cameras were as good, um, and they, they looked and reacted like a film camera. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was time to, to really give it a go. And that big event, Sports Illustrated said yes to it. And obviously, you know, that was a, a kind of a watershed for me as a photographer, changing the digital, changing the digital cameras. Um, and they've just been improving, you know, year on, year on after that. Um, in terms of how it, it didn't really change the way I photographed, mm -hmm. um, but it did give me some advantages, you know, obviously being able to see what I was shooting, making sure that it was exposed correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that for a photographer, that's massive. You know, I didn't, uh, with film, you know, you had to get the exposure right. Um, there are, there were ways where you could, they called it a clip test. Uh, I don't want to get into the weeds, but you know, if you, if you buggered up the exposure, the whole shoot was finished. Yeah. And, and if you thought about it, you had to send all that film back to New York to the editors, uh, somehow, you know, you had to go to the airport and try and convince somebody to carry, uh, the film back to New York. I mean, it was, um, it was a fraught process using film mm -hmm. um but with digital of course it was uh you know you you downloaded it to the computer and you sent it uh you know you either did a select or you sent the whole take back mm -hmm. uh and it was pretty seamless even back in 2002 it was ki a kind of straightforward um so it, it definitely made everybody's jobs easier in terms of uh, of getting uh all the images and being able to edit them quickly. Okay. I, I still remember in the 98 World Cup meeting this woman in Paris who had worked for Time and Sports Illustrated for years named Agathe Dumont, who part of her job back in the day was to fly on the Concorde, which also no longer exists, at supersonic <laughs> speeds back to New York with film for for magazines yeah. <laughs> it sounded yeah. like a great gig yeah yeah a, a gap was a great fixer in paris uh, a, a, a lovely woman um and she helped me out numerous times there as she did many other sports illustrated photographers um yeah un unfortunately those uh, those those luxury trips on the concord digital put pay to them <laughs> Uh, and and uh, you know, I mean, probably saved Sports Illustrated and and a few jobs there. But uh, you know, digital just has a different way. You know, you've got to store the images. Um, you know, there there it's 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 not as uh, cheap and cheerful as as people initially thought. You know, you have to store right. the images. Um, you have to try and transmit sort of large files down lines. I mean, I, I, the the frustration. Uh, certainly, you know, not being um, a massive IT guy, uh, I would have to solve those pro those problems on the road in trying to hook up and send right. images or transmit images. That 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 definitely gave me a few headaches. A uh, couple quick questions to wrap up here. One: What is the exact equipment you use 
to shoot these days? Um, I use Canon uh, cameras and lenses. Uh, I use a 400-2.8 generally uh, for the action. That's a long lens. It's a fast, long lens because light, you know, some of the stadiums aren't lit very well. So mm. you need that to, to make sure you can freeze the action. Uh, I use uh, Canon 1DX Mark II camera bodies. Mm. Uh, and then I use a variety of short lenses. Okay. Uh, a 135 F2 for action around the, the goal mouth. Um, 1635 uh, as a wide zoom and I can use that on the um, remote cameras I, I, I take with me. So that's the basic equipment I would I would carry. Okay, interesting. And, and lastly, we have people listening to this podcast who are often journalism students or they want to become photographers in the sports world. Are there any recommendations you would have for someone young who wants to do what you do yeah absolutely uh i mean i think the first thing is not on your first assignment is not to do a world cup final <laughs> uh because the pressure on you is is pretty intense particularly if someone like a magazine is assigning you mm -hmm. uh so you know start small photograph you know um kids soccer or college or school soccer first and, and, and get a feel for the sport and then sort of, you know, move on up the, the ladder there. Mm -hmm. um, produce a portfolio which can impress editors and obviously show that you have the skill to be able to take on an assignment. I think that's the, the best approach. Uh, and then look at other photographers' work and, and try and mimic it. Um, figure out how they did it, and, um, you know, go that route. Good stuff. That, uh, that's how I would suggest starting off. Yeah. And um, in terms of where people can find you on, on social or, or see your work, where is that? Um, yeah, my Instagram is uh, pretty basic. Simon Bruti um, is my Instagram name and then you know obviously i have a website uh simonbruti.com um that's where i'm just looking at it right now to see if i have any soccer images i've got up on there and, and, and not not too many so uh hopefully uh by the end of this podcast i'll i'll, I'll put a few up there so i can photograph the sport well, Simon, after spending so much time with you over the years, it's great to, to interview you for the first time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Grant, it's always a pleasure. I hope we get a chance to work on a few more stories before uh, we grow, go into our old age. <laughs> Likewise. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Simon Broody, as well as producer Brandon Nix, and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember to check out Throwback, my podcast series on the origins of the U.S. Women's National Team and the FIFA Women's World Cup. See you next time.